0: There is no right or wrong path, just a series of events that gives us a flavor of what it is that sets our heart alight or dampens our soul. What I do know to be true is that in a world that is more disillusioned, disconnected and full of people wearing masks than ever before, the bravest thing that any person can possibly do despite the challenges they may face is to bring their authentic selves to the world and that that is when the magic will happen.
1: You know what time it is. It's time for the Dodcast. 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 Maybe That's me. Dennis, the menace. I started this podcast not really knowing why I was doing it or what it was about. It lacked direction. It lacked a bit of substance as well. All I knew is I wanted an an outlet for creative expression, a forum to meet interesting people from every walk of life and to share their stories. But on Saturday the 11th November 2017, this podcast was given a direction. Jack Kavanagh is a life coach, business analyst at Johnson & Johnson, a pharmacy master's graduate and a wheelchair user. On the first day of a summer holiday in Portugal back in 2012, Jack dived into the ocean, hitting his head off a sandbank and breaking his neck. This left him paralysed from the neck down with less than 15% global muscle function. Jack very openly talks about his story, and I had the absolute privilege to speak to him in episode 10. Hand on heart, I can honestly say that this 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 was no this was like no other conversation I had ever, ever had before. This impacted me in, in a way that is, is difficult to put into words. And it remains today as um, one of the f- focal points for any conversation that I have with any person. This is, I urge you to go back to episode 10 to listen to this episode. I, there's a stage where I actually ended up breaking down myself because it was just, just so, just so authentic and real. I suppose it's, 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 this is the, the ability to bring meaning into people's lives through optimism and gratitude. And that's hopefully something that I try to impart onto people. And that's something that I learned directly from Jack. I mean, this guy has a gift. His mental clarity is refreshing. His outlook on life, absolutely inspirational. Here's a young guy who was left in a wheelchair after a freak accident at the age of 20. He lives with no resentment, no bitterness, bitterness no anger. And after the event, he went through this of transformative time whereby, experiencing his rock bottom, he began to rebuild. Forming a mind so strong that it made him unbreakable. When there's a will, there's always a way, and there certainly was when it came to Jack. In this week's episode, we speak about body issues and the destructive role a play it's playing in young people's lives. We talk about the importance of using a constructive and positive internal voice when speaking about yourself and how valuable some self-compassion can be at times of stress. We delve into the issue of how society perceives abilities and disabilities, restricting you from being your true, authentic self. We touch upon the new era of medicine and tapping into the mind, and then we finally finish with the importance of gratitude and being able to shift your mental framework completely. When asked by someone when his book is coming out, his answer perfectly described the man you're about to hear from today. I suppose... When I have a story to tell. This is episode 27, The Magic of Authenticity. I'm not, I'm not that, uh,
0: There's sense... I'm, bad.
1: I'm bad, but I'm not that
0: bad. Huh. You have to be bad to be good. Mr. Jack Kavanagh, welcome back to the Dodcast. Thank you very much, sir. Welcome. <laughs> To our humble
1: abode, Jack. Listen, honestly, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So thank you so much for taking the time
0: out on this uh, on this Thursday evening to to speak to myself. How how you doing? Great. Ah, it's long overdue. I'm delighted. Um, I'm honestly a little bit tired today. Uh, I was telling you, I uh, I have a UTI and I've been putting off taking something for it for about a week now, mm-hmm. um, trying to battle it myself. And I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. So uh, I'm on demand but a yeah. uh, little bit low en- energy. But aside from that, I'm great. Good. Is, 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 that, a, is that a
1: regular occurrence, getting these UTIs? And, and how do you normally deal with these kind of
0: little small hiccups on an everyday basis? Yeah, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm very aware of, of some of these little things that can crop up. So um, I do an awful lot to, to stop them happening. Um, so it's rare enough for me. Uh, probably. Um, like, girls would be more inclined to get them anyway. Yeah, that's right. So I probably have them as frequently as as any girl that might might get them. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. Like when 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 you get dealt something like that, just you are forced to sort of check again in with yourself and say, hold on, what am I doing? What maybe led to this? Is there anything I can do a little bit differently? and uh, and just reassess a bit but it's a small thing in the grand scheme of things what are the the major
1: kind of difficulties like because I, I i find a, a guy like you you're uber positive and confident and, and and just so outwardly kind of positive as i said about life I, is there kind of little small niggling things that you know the, the the everyday person wouldn't normally see that really kind of sometimes gets at you
0: yeah i suppose just for context anyone that hasn't Um, Heard about me before, Uh, I have a spinal cord injury. Um, I broke my neck diving into water a couple of years ago. And so I've had an interesting journey since then. Uh, Tune in to episode one of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, so like some of the things that uh, other people might not need to really pay attention to are very much on my mind every day. Mm. Um, Like they're really practical small things. Um, Like for example, someone with a spinal cord injury would be more inclined to get like, for example, a skin breakdown or, yeah. um, they might be more prone to osteoporosis cause they're not standing as, as frequently, um, or at all, if you're not managing those kind of things. And these are so, some of the things that I would have to consciously sort of every day be aware of and check. Um, in some areas of my body, I've got like reduced sensation and things like that. So for example, I might not feel that a cup is as hot as it is. Mm-hmm. And so you just you start thinking a little bit differently you spot anything that might cause you uh cause you hassle and um you just get very very used to uh thinking around these things um and um i suppose if you're going to live really well um as i very much am doing and intend to continue doing with uh with something like a spinal injury or or any health condition you just i think it Forces you, as I said earlier, to sort of step back regularly and to tune into yourself and mm. to become more self-aware. Because if you don't, um, it's just going to bother you, but uh, repeatedly, unless you're, you're learning and figuring out, um, where sort of where the, the touch points are, the sore points. Do do you do you still? Because I mean, it was something that you spoke about in the last
1: uh, podcast that we that we did was kind of. It was like as though you were given a new body you are essentially given a new body do you Mm. feel as though you're more aware uh, of this new body you now have and the kind of the positives and negatives that it has and the the limitations that you you essentially have at the moment
0: yeah it's it's this a great question for so many reasons because i'm going to pull pull you in a few directions on this one Mm. um especially considering that we've just come out of may and i know there was a huge amount on social media about um sort of body body acceptance yes, yeah. and, and, and things like that, um which I am so delighted to see these conversations are changing, uh, particularly on places like Instagram that were just people were beating themselves <laughs> up like oh horrible stuff. But so you asked me um about essentially being being given a new body, mm. um this is something that I really struggled with for a couple of years. So while I was in rehab. Um, I suppose I, I had very little function Um, I was thrown back into essentially the world of being a baby again, where I was entirely dependent um, and uh, really struggling to associate with this body that was functioning very differently to the way it had been only, only like it's an instantaneous thing, you know, like one minute I was uh, running free around the beach and, and next minute I was face down in the water and I couldn't move. And so in the weeks, months, years after that, like you're trying to come to terms with what this means and how do you appreciate your body for what it can do? And it's definitely a journey. Um, While I was in rehab, something I became really aware of was that they were training um, the parts of my body that were working and not so much attention was going on the other areas of my body. And that created a real disconnect in my mind. It was really like an us and them sort of a scenario, but it was within my body. And I think um, with that kind of a mindset or way of thinking, it would be very easy to neglect yourself. Yes. Um, and um, that didn't sit well with me at all. And it caused like this massive cognitive dissonance for me. So over the next uh, year or so, or year and a half after leaving rehab, I started going to a place in the UK called Prime Physio. And um, that was really the first time outside of rehab, like when I came out of rehab, I was very aware to change my language. So I, I changed my language from being a patient to a person, from okay. doing physio to training. Because at any point in time, like we go for physio when we're, or, or some sort of reparative type intervention when our bodies are struggling in some way where we've done damage and we need to repair Um, but from that point on we're actually at a new starting point with our body and we're actually just training it in the state that it is then does that make sense yeah absolutely so I started making these language changes but um, what I was my actions weren't adding up to those language changes until I went over to prime physio and it was it was a couple of months after going back to college I went over just after Christmas and I met this the owner, his name is Andy and he uh, was a Scottish ex-military guy um, who had rehabbed veterans and he started this spinal and, well, neurological rehab facility and we very much just clicked with each other and he appreciated that I wanted to work hard and that I wanted to push my body and he was willing to push me absolutely to my limits. Right. And it was really through a series of trips um, over to see Andy that I... Um, really changed how I was thinking about my body because he showed me that my body still functioned as a full unit. And there was different ways that I could interact with it and train it and appreciate it. Um and and that was hugely important for me. Um and I think it's actually transferable to so many other people because like we're each given this one body that we live in for for our lives and on society tells us to think about our body in one way and um and oftentimes that's not very helpful yeah and um, that if you don't match up to what you see on instagram in previous years like we said that's changing now and um, that that you're you're lesser or worth less or you should be ashamed of your body or seek to change it very dramatically and put yourself under pressure to do so um what i learned over in the uk is that look I should really appreciate my body for what it's able to do. Like, look, something something unfortunate happened and that was that was not what I wished would happen having a spinal injury. But um, isn't it incredible, by the same token, like what or how resilient our bodies are and what they're still capable of and doing. And how
1: resilient you are, Jack. I mean, it's been fantastic. The, the great opportunity that I've had is is being able to, as I said, come into your house. But to see the way you've... Uh, interacted with, your, with, the, with, with the, the, the environment which, that you're now placed in, in terms of the extension that's now put into your house, uh, the, the, the desk that we sit in here, and just seeing the way that you're able to seamlessly kind of glide through the room literally, um, like as you are an, an, a person that you've created an environment which you are so, so comfortable in that it makes no difference between like being in a wheelchair or a person standing. And that's why I really really love what you're kind of touching upon there is is that it is it's 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 there is a bit of a kind of a dissonance between what people kind of expect to be inverted commas as normal or to be in a wheelchair so you know there is a bit of a kind of a disconnect there
0: oh totally um one of my uh best friends is a wheelchair user his name's Barry mm. um and I first met Barry actually in rehab. He'd had a spinal injury when he was 16 and had been using a chair for close on oh, 20 years at that stage. Yeah. And uh, my first impression when I saw Barry was I've never seen a person more able than that. Well, wow. uh, Regardless of what society would perceive to be able or disabled or whatever, um, which is a whole other topic. But um, uh, I my first... Uh, impression was Jesus I've I've never seen someone as able as that. Um a huge um a huge thing. Um so I am very lucky I sit on the board of the National Disability Authority and um again I have challenges around that word but um a very cool part of the job um there is that um the NDA or the National Disability Authority gets to um, inform policy and things like that, making sort of Ireland um, more universally um, accessible for everyone, um, gets to inform sort of on statistics and do research and all sorts of things, and all things uh, ability, disability. But uh, one of the centres that's under their remit is the Centre for Excellence in Universal Design. And Universal Design is this, uh, it's this new school of design that has really um, been growing over the last 10 years in particular, and Ireland is kind of at the forefront of it, having a center for excellence. And um, what it really considers is, it considers the extremity of of um, what environments should be designed for. So if you um, design, for example, for the tallest, the smallest, the skinniest, the widest, the uh, the best-sighted and the least-sighted um, people who are um, have mental challenges and those who don't um people who see color and don't um, from the the toddler to the mother with the pram to the wheelchair user to the old person walking with a stick if you design with all these kinds of things in mind um when you're designing public infrastructure spaces a home an online environment um people maybe who are sight impaired or hearing impaired how can they navigate these spaces when you start thinking about designing for these extremities which are sort of smaller cohorts of the population in designing for those people you actually design for the whole middle population as well yes and make those environments more readily accessible um for everybody um and so you touched on like seeing me co- navigate my environment yeah. here um like my house is now universally designed like anybody can come in here and interact perfectly um but there's like that small little bit of extra thought has gone into it in that like the for example when you drive in the the into our um driveway there's no step into the yes it the cobblock comes up to the door and i have a fob to get in so that i don't have to push a heavy door open if um if I have stuff on my lap or bags on my back. Um, the ground floor is all level and we've taken out the door saddles. These are like simple little things um, that make the space really easy for me to navigate, but it doesn't impair anyone else. Um, I have a wet room instead of a shower that I'd step into. And if you just think about like how much time you spend cleaning the floor after you get out of the shower, wouldn't it be beneficial for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like these are. That's a brilliant point, actually. They're simple little things, <laughs> and it's just about reframing how you how you think about your environment and and in my application actually um, to to uh, when I was interviewing to to sit on the board. Um. I talked an awful lot about um, how the only thing that either enables or disables any person is the environment in which they exist, right? And I'm talking about not only like physically enables or disables, but like mentally or socially or all of these kind of things, you know, like the, the family that we grow up in, the social context we grow up in, either being surrounded by certain people or certain belief systems or whatever it is, that empowers or disempowers or enables or disables us um, from the outset. Like we can have, have sort of things on our side mm-hmm. or against us. Yeah. And it's the same with physical environments uh, everywhere. Um, so it's just a, a slightly different style of thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you ever give yourself, give yourself a chance
1: to, to switch off at all? You, you seem like a guy who's going literally at a thousand miles an hour internally and externally we, we joked before we came online and you said don't mention it but i unfortunately have have, have come around with the whole love island thing now you you <laughs> you yes i've brought the i've brought the, the topic of conversation to this and you're 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 smirking at me um,
0: is there anything that you use jack to 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 switch off to unwind so yeah a lot of people are are unwinding their minds <laughs> uh, entirely with Love Island and look each to their own. Um, for me, um, look, you said you said and rightly so that it appears that things are going at a million miles an hour. I suppose I actually post very little of what I do up online. Um, I just find that takes a whole lot of energy. Um, that maybe I want to direct elsewhere. But I'm involved in various different things at the moment, and um, we can go through them if if you want. But I did find um. Look at at New Year's as as we all sort of tend to do. We make resolutions and and this year instead of making uh, dramatic goals, I actually set my intentions as the way that I wanted to be. Okay. And like some of the values that I wanted to bring to sort of every day or every environment that I was found myself in, um and that worked really well and and um i i really enjoyed sort of that shift in relieving a bit of pressure from myself from having like these big massive goals all the time to to having like a way of being or how i wanted to show up um but over the last couple of months i found myself absolutely burning the candle at both ends Mm. like i started um a new job which we can get into some of what i've been doing. Yeah, there, no, i'd, you I'd love i'd love you to, to, in, to briefly mention, yeah. Um in a little while maybe. Um I started a new job and i was thrown in at the deep end there and um, you know you want to perform and deliver and yeah. then um i was doing the work with the National Disability Authority. Um i also something that i've been on my radar for a long time was to develop a really practical skill set that i could that i could uh, help people uh sort of achieve their maximal potential in whatever way that takes place and I, i'd love to talk about that in a while um, and so i signed up to do a diploma in in life coaching uh, which has been amazing um and all of these things were kind of happening at once as well as um in some ways kidding myself that i was keeping in shape and um, thinking i was but uh getting a few rude awakenings um, physically that is physically yeah um, and thinking that i was getting adequate downtime to mentally recover and to spend with family and friends and these kind of things false illusions as well and mm. um, over the last couple of months and and through actually doing the coaching course i have massively reevaluated and made changes and um, such as reducing my work week and um, so that i can be better more of the time when i'm at work for example but also that i have like the energy to um apply to my health and fitness to uh really apply to my family and to my friends so that i can also apply my energy to the coaching course and and those various different buckets that i that i want to fill rather than being on all of the time then actually having space to take down time mm. and understand that like if we are to bring our best, I suppose, that we need active recovery. Like... Self-help is a, is a word that's been thrown around. Yeah, and, and a massive self-care, thing. Self-care, should I say. Yeah, self-care. And like a massive thing that I needed to learn was to say no. Mm. And it wasn't anything about that, that, uh, about letting other people down. It was saying no so you can say yes to yourself. Um, that in itself was just a massive realization for me to, to sort of let go of, of what other people might expect so that you can, you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm a little bit overwhelmed or overstretched here. I need to start saying yes to myself more often. And uh, that was huge as well. So, um, so I had been going at a million miles an hour uh, up until the end of May uh, trying to get some projects I was involved with at work um, they sort of came together at the end of May and I took a week off last week which was lovely went down the west and um, now I'm back into a new rotation and work and um, I've dropped to a three-day week which is going to be lovely. Just just while you're on the topic there Jack just talk to us a little bit about your,
1: your new job because it's <laughs> It's a fantastic one, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so I've been really lucky. Um, I'm doing um, a year with Johnson & Johnson. Um, So Johnson & Johnson, many people hear it and they think about the baby products. Um, They're a really amazing company, most diversified healthcare company in the world. So they're involved in uh, consumer health. Um, So you've got everything from skin care to essential healthcare, like... um, which would involve um, certain o- over-the-counter medicines and um, on like uh, products for sort of female hygiene and, and various different things like that. Um, you've got a lot of skin products and um, that would be the consumer section. Then you've also got uh, the pharmaceutical wing, uh, which would be the second main pillar. And in the pharmaceutical wing, they really go after um, treating um, diseases and um where there's a real unmet need so they're going after sort of the hardest to treat uh, populations because if we think about it like the golden age of medicine is totally over that happened back between the 20s and the 80s where where we actually found solutions to a totally lot agree. a lot of the big problems in yeah. health um which is fantastic and what's happened since like arguably since the 80s or 90s is we've been making incremental improvements and mm. um, small little bits here and there uh, improved efficiency reduced side effects which are all really helpful but um well, a lot of what um, what johnson and johnson are going after now in terms of drug treatments and me- medical treatments is where can we make an impact in an area of unmet need and they're getting smaller and smaller so it's a harder and harder job and then the third major area that they work on is medical devices. So everything from from knee and hip implants um to uh, 3D printed bespoke implants to robotic surgery. So some some really cool stuff in robotic surgery in that we could be in Dublin and be operating on someone in Auckland in New Zealand like this kind Ooh. of mad stuff. Wow. Um where you're combining uh artificial intelligence and sort of the, the knowledge bank of, of thousands and thousands of doctors from around the world in, in improving efficiencies. So there's they do loads of cool stuff. Um, so I was really lucky over the last couple of months to join the Janssen team in Ireland, which is their pharmaceutical wing. And um, uh, I wasn't really doing a traditional um, pharmaceutical job, though. I was working with the external affairs team. And in that, um, I worked on two really cool projects. So one is called Inspirefest. It was uh, uh, an event for about 3000 people that happened over two days in the Board Gosh Theatre in Dublin. And we were one of the main sponsors this year. So that meant that we had um, sort of key, um, key opportunities to have a panel discussion or uh, a keynote speaker and various uh like breakout sessions and things like that so i helped to um sort of manage that relationship and and organize um, that event from our end um and that was one big project and the two projects are kind of tied together in a big way which i'll tell you about and the second big project was um was that we were sponsoring a garden in bloom this year Mm -hmm. we took a big garden in bloom this year and uh uh, give credit where credit's due this this project started long before I ever joined the team and I was just so lucky to join an amazing team working on it so um, Janssen has had a heritage in neuroscience um for, for over 60 years and so they really wanted to focus on what does it mean to live with a mental illness so the garden that was designed was called Grounded Growing conversations around mental illness. Brilliant. Now there's like layers and layers to this. Like the the grounded idea is that being in nature, gardening, as one example of that, is very grounding for your mental well being. Um, but then uh, the whole design aesthetic was um, was a collaboration between the landscape architect and then our our partners. So we partnered with Aware and Sea Change. Sea change run stigma reduction workshops so okay. how do we have a conversation about what does it mean to live with a mental illness or or just having a bad bad day yeah. if someone comes into your workplace and they're having like they're struggling like how do we talk to them in a, in a way that that is appropriate uh, or talk about it um so they have been doing amazing work and they run the re- green ribbon campaign you also have AWARE, um, who do service provision, so they provide services for bipolar, depression and anxiety, both for the individual, but what a lot of people don't know is they also provide services and reach out for family, friends and their support network, which is so important and something that's sort of often unseen um, or neglected. And so they were our partners in this project and we had a group of 10 participants taken from both um partners, um, and these participants live with various different, um, mental illnesses, from bipolar to schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, uh, split personalities, childhood traumas, borderline personality disorder, and numerous other ones. And we ran a series of workshops with those those participants, group of amazing people, and um, we from the very beginning we were learning from them. How do they talk about their experiences, how did they verbalize it, what was the language that was important to them. Um, There was a few times where we touched on sore points and and things like that, where we got it wrong and they corrected us, and and likewise, from, from their point of view. And they really fed into the design of the garden. So the garden, it had rough edges, it had smooth areas, it was jagged lines in places, there was areas that were more secluded and um, where sometimes you just need to be unseen and be by yourself. So we had this like metal jut out with a bed of moss behind it that you could lie in. Um, and then there was two conversation conversation spaces. One was at the back of the garden, it was quite secluded. And um, the idea is, is as you walked into the garden, you walked over a threshold um, that had, um, it's it was a steel, um, a weathered steel walkway that had words carved into it and so on one way it said I am and some of the words were like uh, hopeless, resilient, happy, lonely, isolated, fearful um, and, and things like this that all okay, came... So a mix between with, the two? Yeah, a mix between positive and, emotion because positive and negative emotions. Um, and as you walked up the threshold you went around the back of the garden and up a few steps into a conversation space where there was three chairs, one for the individual one for their supporter, and the third was for the healthcare professional. And the idea is, is that it's a collaborative process. And um, when somebody is having a hard time, that not just one person can be part of the solution. Um, and there was a big arch up there on the back of the garden, where those seats are, is a little bit higher than the rest of the garden. And the way that I interpreted it is that at some stage, you have to walk through the arch um, and, and step over the line. And that's your sort of willingness to confront what's going on. Okay. Um, and when you do, you're at a height and you have a better perspective on the garden. Um, nice. And Then as you walk back down uh, the pathway and come back over the little um, steel bridge, um, coming back, it says, am I? So you'll remember on the way up, it's I am, and you're associating with all these feelings. And then Brilliant. the way back down, it says, am I? and your question asking a question and you come back down and it's a more open environment and it's it's maybe you're willing to share a conversation with the bigger bigger population and that. you've got the three seats down at the bottom again for the individual the supporter and the healthcare professional so this is really cool and um, um, the whole media campaign we ran around this was hashtag growing conversations so we did a couple of public initiations and um, where we had big flower wall and that was uh, had the hashtag growing conversations written out in green shrubbery with four different colors of flowers and people would come up, select a flower that represented their mood and insert it into the wall. And at the end of the day, you've got growing conversations um, uh, lit up with all these different colored flowers. Um, and the idea behind it is is that the color of the wall at the end of the day, is kind of like a temperature check on the mood or the emotion of the uh, of the okay. area This is really cool and we ran that in houston <clears> station <throat> and again at inspirefest and at Fest on that bloom we had a mental health literacy panels and um, with a psychiatrist and um, our managing director and um, a person with lived experience of uh, depression or sorry anxiety and um who was the fourth partner we had a, a some of our partners different representatives from our partners on over the different days. So it was a really cool project to work on and there was sort of cross collaboration between those two initiatives at Bloom and at Fest. So really cool to be part of a bigger project and to see how, um, like pharma companies, it's easy to give them a bad rep, you know? <laughs> uh, very, very easy, but to see like the sort of social reach out and the good that they're doing, um, I think often doesn't get enough credit Um, that there's amazing people working in these companies really trying to make uh, or move the needle in society for the better.
1: You said that you think the golden age of medicine is now over. Is there a new uh, generation of more kind of psychological or psychiatric issues that we're now recognizing and Maybe it'll only be another 20 years' time that we'll actually recognise that this is the golden age of psychological
0: problems, possibly. Is, there, is Do you think we're going in the right direction? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest breakthrough going forward is going to be actually to tap more into our mind, um, there you go. Um, because, like, we are scraping the surface on, like, our mental capacity. I totally agree. Um, and that's where the game changers are going to be. Um, like, there's some really exciting things happening yeah. out there, but, like simple stuff like I think some of the things that facilitate you to to deeper meditation quicker things like that like they're only scratching the surface mm-hmm, on what mm-hmm, we can do and mm-hmm. um, on to some of the states that we can get to um, mentally and the clarity that gives us in our lives but I think we're look you you mentioned that more and more we're sort of seeing conversations around mental challenge the challenges that people are facing And there's this kind of duality that exists because like on one side, we're speaking about it a lot more and we're seeing a lot more Mm. of it it, or it appears. And then the question is, is were people suffering in silence beforehand or did these sort or was was the prevalence less of these kind of what do you think? Um, I definitely think the world is getting more and more complex. We're being asked to switch on more and more like our environments are leading to us being switched on more and more. So you look at, like, the bombardment of social media, the way that apps and our phones and our computers and everywhere we go is, like, stimulating us all the time. We didn't have that in the past. Yeah. And, like, there's been such a rapid tendency towards that um, over the last, oh, like, how, how old are computers? Just think about that. In, like, 30, 40, 50 years in, like, where they've become mainstream in the last 25? If like, even... If even and like that is like just like a blink yeah. in in our history and our evolution, um, and our brains aren't uh, designed to deal with that constant yeah. bombardment of stimulus. Um, but That's a really good point. So it's no wonder maybe in some ways that we see a higher prevalence of of varying different mental challenges. So on one side, like the question is 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 that maybe part of the cause. Um, where people just have no capacity to switch off, they're totally overloaded all the time, and um, they're completely being removed from themselves, like that sort of sense of being entirely out of alignment, and um, because they're seeing other people's lives all the time and they're not living their own. Huge topic of discussion. We, and we briefly spoke about this in the last podcast that we
1: that we talked about, and it was an interesting, uh, point that we kind of picked, sort of picked upon. Um, it was something that you you spoke about yourself, and it's something that I also uh, speak about as well, I try, quite openly. I try to, anyways, is the kind of the pros and cons of, of social media with regards to, so sort of, I suppose me with my podcast or you trying to influence and and and, 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 pr- and promote the, the the brand that you have at the moment. It's it's there's a fine line that needs to be kind of met mm-hmm. between not kind of letting your own sort of mental health sort of subside but at the same time promoting the the positivity that that you have and you that you that you represent
0: yeah look it's something that everyone is trying to navigate yeah. isn't it and i think probably your your is listenership a word i'll take it I'll <laughs> let's take go it. with it let's just go with <laughs> it um are are probably more tuned to it than anyone um, like there's there's sort of a demographic of society that are tuning into this and are really really aware um, of the level of their consumption and all of this kind of stuff me included and like as aware as I am and as many people are the struggle is like it's so real oh, it's horrible to, to detach yourself from it I've become so so aware of it like over the last year it is like hardwired into us whoever's writing those algorithms they know what they're at like they, they give us just enough of a hit that don't yeah frequently enough like it's and when you see sort of younger generations and how just constantly tuned into their phones they are. Um, but
1: it's 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 hard
0: drugs for kids essentially. Absolutely, like if there was something that gave you that much of a sustained dopamine rush, yeah. like why wouldn't you go for it? Exactly. You know, uh, it seems harmless. Is there a,
1: is there is there a way of being able to regulate or monitor this? For whatever about ourselves uh, as being inverted commas grown ups uh for what what about the kids who are you know twelve thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years of age, they're struggling with this uh i i don't know what you call it they're struggling with this dopamine kick that they're getting, but the the the, the parents are kind of getting stuck between a rock and a hard place because yeah, yeah. they don't want to be felt they don't want to like allow their kid or make them seem as though they're left out you know but at the same time
0: <laughs> what do you do really oh it's like I'm not going to pretend to have any answer to that <laughs> yeah, question, yeah. but it's a like it's a real thing that needs to be. Uh, it's a real topic of conversation because we need to be educating ourselves as users and younger generations coming through. Like, what is a, a responsible mm. well, way? So, do
1: you know what the the question I'll ask? So is how do you do it? I know that you you uh, selectively decide to just switch off. And you stop using
0: completely. Was that? Is that am, I, am I right by saying that? I did that for a period. Yeah. Um. I. Well, I sort of have hard stops on when I'll I'll um, interact with my phone. So airplane mode goes on around half nine or ten okay. every night. Okay. And I generally doesn't come off till like half eight in the morning or so. Um. So. That is sort of sacred space, I suppose. Um yeah look I'll listen to a podcast during that time that I might have downloaded or an audiobook or whatever but um but in terms of like having stimulus coming at me that seems like the very least amount of time that I should be switched off mm. um because there's there's all these like studies showing that whatever it is like forty percent of people wake up during the night to check their phone yeah. and all this kind of stuff um which is mad you know like it, it's infiltrating like every part of our life and Netflix has been widely quoted as saying uh, our biggest competitor isn't another company or brand our biggest competitor is people going to sleep I I the, the more I kind of uh, study medicine
1: and the more I kind of I become a little bit more aware of the kind of clinical environment I, I I'm starting to recognize how important the simple things are in life and within that kind of sort of hierarchy our chain number one is sleep top of the pile top of the list and then
0: two to that diet exercise um yeah i think diet actually comes before exercise. you think so like for long term okay they that's a big statement to make actually maybe maybe i'll dil- dilute that and put them on a level playing field but uh sleep is like for me personally if i don't get Seven to eight hours in a night, I am um, like a bag, bag of rats, like following age, <laughs> and you know? like really, it, it it affects me so much. Um, and they they've all kinds of studies linking sort of certain levels of sleep deprivation to being equal to a certain amount of alcohol consumption. And we we don't liken it like that sort of socially, um, at all. Like they're over the last ten. Fifteen years, like you see a lot of this sort of bragging, mm-hmm. particularly in business circles. About, That's right. About like oh, I was I was working till like two in the morning, and I'm back in the office at eight or whatever, and and it's like yeah, fair play. Th- to you. They like, specifically
1: st- spoke about Maggie Thatcher. About yeah. she would only sleep four hours a night. Seemingly, the, the lady unfortunately De- uh, developed Alzheimer's. Yeah, she she passed away from 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 uh, from neurological uh, uh, degeneration essentially, and they they've shown a direct link
0: between. The lack of sleep and also reduce creativity it's... and ability to focus. And look, we know these things. Like when when you st- they need to do a study to tell us that it's like well well no shit. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but isn't a lot of science? Well, not a lot of science, but quite a bit of science is, is like that. It's like confirming what we we hope we know to be true. Mm. Um, but um, we could go down this rabbit yeah, hole know. all yeah. night. Yeah. Um, something that actually would love to come back to um is at the beginning you asked me um, where we came on to the topic of sort of the of the body and dealing with this new body and things like that and um, um I think something that isn't done often enough because it is hard um but is really important to do is kind of to to share sort of insecurities. Um, and I've seen it done a few times recently and, The question is is like the do people perceive that as strength or weakness when they become aware of of insecurities or vulnerabilities or things like that um because we all sort of spend our days trying to hide our insecurities and vulnerabilities from the public and yet isn't it like so often we see someone up on a stage as a motivational speaker or in a group or whatever and they will share a harrowing journey or they will share some of their deepest darkest demons or whatever it is and they 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 do this and the first thing that i think is wow that's a strength that is absolute courage that is absolute strength that is a person who i really deeply admire um and um a girl i know hannah nash recently did it online she shared some of her um, insecurities and I was like, whoa, I need to find uh, an audience to do that with. And when you mentioned body earlier, I was like, well, why not do it now? Um, and so um, given that last month was was uh, a month where a lot of people talked about their, their bod- bodily insecurities. I saw Roz personal did an awful lot of it and like absolutely high five to Roz. Like she, she is helping to be a part of that changing conversation. And for myself, um, I suppose I went in an instant from being this like young guy and um, that was sort of very aware that I was fit, I, I was athletic, feeling feeling at the top, in sort of in top shape to um, a position where my body composition changed very dramatically, very quickly. Mm. Um, and um, as I've learned to train my body and things like that, it has come back a little bit in line. Uh, but I put like weight on quite quickly, my my legs and my arms got very skinny and things like that. Um and for context, uh, for your audience who can't see me just at the moment, I uh, I have a spinal injury, I broke my neck at the fifth vertebrae down, so I have about fifteen percent muscle function. So um to think about that it means um uh, my shoulders, my biceps and wrists are sort of like the areas that I that I can use um properly functionally. Um, and as much training as I do, um, I'm not going to get that like eight week body transformation. Um, I'm not going to have a big chest because that, that people would mostly associate with a, a wheelchair user because I, I don't have function in those muscles. Um, I'm constantly darting between the lines of, of overtraining. Um or under training because mm. I I need to train to stay trim to stay fit mostly to be functional, day to day. Um, but I also can't injure myself because I need those muscles to do everything. Yeah. Um, so it's this like constant battle, and um, and and so that's what the areas that are functioning. The the biggest thing that hurt me, um, uh, with my body image was going from a place where. Where I had a, what was arguably a skinny pack, um, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say just for argument's sake, it was a six pack, right? Um, from yeah, from from a position where I had like a flat stomach to to a position where I lost control of that, and like everyone when they sit down, they get a bit of a slump, um, but uh, we call it uh, the quad belly, um, <laughs> which is sort of where when when uh when you lose control of your your core muscles and you. You sit down um you get this little sort of pouch yeah. and that just that cuts me like okay. a re- even now um in terms of body image that that really cuts me and i I've, I've all I've never had big arms um even before um but I suppose without tricep function your your arm kind of looks a little you you get a bit of wastage in those muscles and your arm looks a lot skinnier um again, and so those kind of things um uh I balance between like trying to really appreciate my body for for what it can do, and um and then, God, shouldn't shouldn't it look different? And then uh, jump back and I say, you know what? No, it's doing really good. And then I'll catch myself in an angle in the mirror that I'm like, Jesus, I didn't know it looked like that. Um, and I would love to hop on an eight week fat burner. <laughs> or whatever yeah. the next workout yeah. is, you know, and, and do a massive body transformation. But sort of understanding that, look, I'm actually doing the best with what I have. And to and be compassionate with myself for that. And I think that's something that really applies to a lot of people. like um, Myself included, Jack. Oh, totally.
1: I, I I have, I'm sure a lot of people know already, but I have a skin condition called psoriasis. So again, it's, it's, it's a lot of it is actually kind of lifestyle and stress-induced. Um, and after sitting the exams, you, you kind of come out with these flares. So they always come at the worst possible times, you know. And it's one of these things where uh, you can't really do much about it um, because you're stressing so much about it that you end up just making it worse. So, so yeah, this, I, I totally understand what you're saying when you're just looking at yourself in the mirror and your, your legs and your back are completely flared out and you're kind of mm-hmm. like to yourself. But then you kind of, as you said, you kind of bring it back and you say, OK, listen, this is te- this is temporary. I'm very, very lucky, I'm very, very fortunate with regards to the body that I actually have, with mm. regards to the skin that I actually have, and that things could be an awful lot worse. You, you, it, was one, it was one thing that you uh, said, and, and I don't know if you, you're still doing it, um, it's something that I still try to do is to, to write the um, the grateful gratefulness list before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning, so it mm-hmm. kind of aligns your thought process for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, the sort of gratitude, gratitude journ- yes. journaling. Um, yeah, so I, I do still do it. And, and you know what? Uh, it's actually so, so powerful. Um, After doing it for about two months of maybe three or four mornings a week, writing a list of five things I was grateful for and actually like consciously taking the time out to say, oh, you know what? Like that was actually a lovely cup of coffee yesterday or or I'm so delighted that like the sun is out today or uh, I'm so lucky that I have... Uh, a laptop on internet connection or whatever it is you know and <laughs> um, generally I found myself actually going back to the real basic things like um, having um, having a warm house or, or these kind of things and um, when I peeled back the layers I started to be, get, become grateful for like not all the superficial things that we we find ourselves striving for but like more of the, the concrete everyday things and um, but I really have this distinct memory of um about after doing it for about two months, I was driving down the motorway one day and this guy cut out in front of me um and I slammed on the brakes and um slamming on the brakes and it was like it was a near miss to put it mildly, I suppose. And my my gut reaction a few months pre- previously to that would have been to get quite irate and uh, to jump to all sorts of conclusions about what kind of a guy he was and um, and the list goes on and that sort of spirals your thinking in one way and I just remember in a moment going good god I became aware that my mind didn't jump to that I said I'm and I so lucky that I was like present enough yeah. that, that I didn't to be able to react to be able to react and isn't it? And we're so lucky that nobody else got hit. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, this is reprogramming, like, and it's incredible. You can actually shift your thinking and your the dynamics of your thinking over like what seems like a relatively short period of time in the grand scheme of things, about two months. It happened for me, and that I had that concrete example. I suppose that I really was like, a couple of months ago, I wouldn't have done that. And I just sat there and I started smiling. <laughs> I was like, as I was driving down the road, I was like, that that is class. Like, that's unbelievable. Um, And um, that, because we're programmed for a negativity bias, you know, yeah. um, if you go back to our caveman uh, ancestors, uh, we wouldn't have survived if we didn't have a negativity bias, you know. That's right. Um, the sort of fear sets in and uh, survival mode and all this. And... Should we get caught up in that day-to-day um, and we can just be running on adrenaline and cortisone and all the stress hormones all day or we can realize that there's actually not a saber-toothed tiger going to come and eat us anymore and, and like that the the things that we're scared of are, are much more trivial um, and that they're mostly fears caught up in our heads and so when you start doing something like gratitude it actually starts to dampen that negativity bias that's so ever-present in our minds. And it starts to nurture, like, maybe a bit of more of a bias towards thinking more proactively or positively or in a more grateful manner. And, like, yeah, the gratitude lists. Powerful shit. Any, any, any other um,
1: small kind of tips or, or, or pieces of snippets that uh, of, of kind of information that, that you've been doing over the last... Uh, weeks, months, years that might be helpful to or useful for our listeners?
0: Yeah, um, I suppose the dramatic changes that I've made over the last, particularly the last couple of months have really come from, look, I thought I was self-aware and then there's layers to it, you know. so You like, were talking about like like pulling back an onion, like that Shrek quote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's always layers to these things. Yeah um and definitely through the coaching course i've been doing that has been like ripping back the layers <laughs> uh and uh, getting to know parts of yourself that you didn't even know were there or that certain things that were driving your behaviors that you had no idea about um and we got asked recently in one of the recent modules we said they asked us to think about what type of a coach you want to be and i was thinking to myself i want to be a performance coach and I know what everybody's mind is jumping to straight <laughs> away. It's like high performance, these elite sports people or business people or whatever. And and the outcome might be that, but the the way I was actually thinking about it was far different. So um I started thinking, God, isn't isn't it all a performance? Um you know, each one of us has so many roles that we play in our lives. So like for me, I'm a, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I am a colleague, I'm a manager uh, in different parts of my life. I am a speaker, I am a friend, I am an acquaintance. And we have all these different hats that we're all wearing and they get different levels of, of our attention at different times. So these are all roles, okay, and each, in each role, we are acting. We're doing an act or we're performing. And um, the question that kept coming up for me was, well, well, what role are we acting? Are we acting based on our observations of, of how it should be done, of someone else that we've seen do it uh, well or not so well? Or are we acting as ourselves? Um, which is really like the holy grail and it's hard to do and it's this thing of constantly trying to step into yourself more and more and as you become more comfortable you'll do it more often and all these kind of things Um, and so I was reading this book called what matters most and in it the author gives uh, an example of of him and the book is all about values and sort of living in an aligned way and he gives this example of when he was in college he took part in a play. And um let's just for a second, I can't remember the finer details, let's for a second imagine that the role he was given was Judas, okay? And um so he went ahead and he he applied, he got the role, um he went out, he did it, and he was watching it back, um the play back after the fact, after it had happened. And as he did, he started to get really upset initially and laughing because he did such a bad job of it. Like he did an awful job is is what he says. Like he was, he was not convincing in the slightest um, and he was like both embarrassed and sort of ashamed and all of these things and laughing at himself as much as like cringing. And then he actually became really, really happy about it. And he, he realized why he was such a bad Judas. And he was such a bad Judas because the things that Judas stood for, um, the values that he had to embody were so far away from himself that he couldn't do a good job of it as hard as he tried. And so the, the act that he was putting on wasn't matching up to himself at all and so he's totally out of alignment so he couldn't perform that well so this sent me on this spiral of well what way are we all performing um, and who are we performing for are we performing as ourselves or as someone else or a diluted version of ourselves for someone else at different times um, and all of these kind of things and I sort of think in in what is like an age of distraction and disillusionment and people wearing masks more than ever before. Like the superpower in all of this is to be able to be your authentic self. Um, and and like that is the game changer. And yeah, as I said, like the last couple of months, I've had like the layers ripped back and, and you start looking at yourself in all these kind of ways. And I think coaching as a tool for people that don't really know what it's about, is it's between the client and the coaches, it's this space essentially that's created to help the individual or the client to work through or towards whatever it is that they want they want to bring to the session. It can be it can be about themselves, it can be about a relationship, it can be about uh, finances, a career, it can be about an ambition, a dream that they have, a business, like the coaching process is the same it can be about a real struggle that they're having or or something that that um that excites them or it can be about figuring themselves out which is is this thing that that we're all trying to do and and for me the the superpower of coaching is is that it really allows you to ultimately connect to more of yourself and in doing so to display more of that potential and when you when you start performing as yourself inherently your performance is going to improve because you're not having to wear all the masks that uh, society has programmed you to do you're you're wearing your own mask and you have a lot less to worry about and more of your energy can actually go into doing a really good job of that um so yeah that's, that's i love that
1: what, what about those people who who kind of have lost touch with themselves mm. what do you say to them and how do you get them to to pull back to their original selves have they gone too far? They're wearing too many layers of their mask that they it's 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 too far stuck onto them at this stage. They can't even remove them.
0: Look, a massive part of it is is like um, there's there's the sort of lack of awareness that this is even happening. In, in yeah, a it's lar- all about awareness. We spoke about this before. Really, Do you know, yeah. Just like a, a massive lack of awareness that and 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 it's not their fault, right? That this is happening. Um. On and, and then the scary thing is is like. As you develop awareness, you with, I, I keep saying this recently, with awareness comes responsibility because with great power. Yeah, but like genuinely with awareness comes a sense of responsibility because um it's twice as bad to be aware of something and not to do something about it. Like, that will eat you up more than, than anything else. Um, but, like, the cognitive dissonance, it's a phrase I used earlier, um, that exists when you're knowingly out of alignment um, is is huge. Like, when what you say you're going to do and what you do is different, what you value and what you act on is different. All of these kind of things, how you show up for one person or one crowd um, is different to how you feel you should really be or it's it's not in a line these are like these cause people so much trauma and so much unnecessary suffering it's like stabbing yourself again and again and again uh, that thing of a a thousand subtle blows and 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 it really really can lead to, to to like massive and largely unnecessary suffering the thing is is like when you develop an awareness of this kind of stuff um then you have to a certain extent, a responsibility and um, to do something about it. Um, and and I think that in many cases, like people may not want to know because they don't want that responsibility. Like change is hard. There's no point denying that. Um, that's why a lot of people that come, for example, for coaching, they, they know that something is up um, they want to change something or they have a goal in mind but a lot of the time they're they're sort of to a certain extent already bought into the chain some sort of a change because that's really what coaching is all about is it's some sort of a change um, in your circumstances from where you are now to where you want to be um, from 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 it's present to future focused sometimes you're gonna have to go back and deal with a few bits and pieces in the past to bring, bring those up and sort of maybe reframe how you're thinking about them. But like present to future focused, um, and, and that involves change. Um, there's a quote by David Henry Thoreau that really gets me. And uh, I did a talk recently and I started it with this and it was the masses of men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to their grave with the song, with their song still in them. So the masses of men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to their grave with their song still in them. And for me, what that's really all about is like society entirely programs us. um, And we're so unaware of it so much of the time um, that we don't even notice it's happening. And we have this sort of vague sense, this quiet sense, or. Quiet sense of uh disease disease dis-ease in ourselves and that that manifests in all manner of ways you know we talk about psychosomatic disorders that are coming up and up and um, which are kind of like uh, largely unexplained medical medical and psychological um, struggles and and then when you like peel it back it's like is society conditioning us for these kind of things um is this quiet sense of dis-ease coming from the way that we're being programmed to uh to play all these roles that aren't actually ourselves um, scary thought so that we can we can function well in a society um have how, how many of the audience have i lost no <laughs> okay. that's
1: that's uh it's it's, it's it's a really really scary thought <laughs> I, uh, I i nearly found myself going into bolivia there no i i think like a lot of that has really um, resonated with me because I struggle at a a daily basis. Um, So I know what I stand for. I know what my goals are. I I know what my values are in life. But what I stand for then and what I actually do, there is, as you said, a little bit of a a dissonance between the two things. And it really frustrates me, especially when I have the awareness of it. But then when I I end up doing something else, it, it like, as you said, it's it's like those mini daggers coming into me.
0: Oh, yeah, but, like, we're all vulnerable as well. As in, like, we're human beings. And so that's where a bit of self-compassion comes in. Like, yeah. you're not going to hit the mark all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we, we have to get a man like uh, Mr. Jack Kavanagh to hit the mark. Um, listen, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Mr. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jack Kavanagh, thank you so, so much again for uh, spending the time on the podcast again. Uh, I, myself, have got some... Major, massive value from that, and, and I I want to speak not just for myself, but from for everyone who listened to the previous episode and also today's a, a huge thank you. The, the the speaking to you over Skype the last time was uh, was a was a watershed moment for me. Uh, you 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 are an inspiration to me at every daily basis, and I I I mean that from the absolute bottom of my heart. And thank you so much again, as I said, for your time, for your dedication, and for your cause. I I, I, I I
0: can't even put it into words. I really do appreciate it. So, Cheers, Dennis. And um, I might just finish uh, with a quote that I wrote um, about a year and a half ago now. And it was when I was in a place that, like, look, a lot of people will associate with it because we've all been there at different times, where, like I've been talking about for the last 10 minutes or so, I was out of alignment. I was feeling that something was up and I wasn't quite sure what it was. I was um, feeling that disease or or sense of, like, something unexplained just being there that that had me feeling off and I sat down to try and figure out what it was what it say sat down I was sitting down already Um <laughs> but uh, I started to write okay it's a phrase Um so I, I sat down to write let's just go with that and um, I sometimes find that writing um will help me to articulate what's on my mind and this is what I wrote I said There is no right or wrong path, just a series of events that gives us a flavour of what it is that sets our heart alight or dampens our soul. What I do know to be true is that in a world that is more disillusioned, disconnected and full of people wearing masks than ever before, the bravest thing that any person can possibly do, despite the challenges they may face, is to bring their authentic selves to the world and that that, is when the magic will happen. So for all those listening out there, I really hope that first of all, you can find the courage to tap into that within yourself. And more than that, you can find the perseverance to actually go out and try and live it a little bit. Um, I've had that quote knocking around my head for a year and a half now. And uh, it's uh, it doesn't get any easier to, to try and bring yourself into the world more um but um i definitely have much less of a sense of that quite discontent so we're on the right path <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: folks thank you so much this was the podcast. see you again jack cheers just as very very quick and before i let you guys go uh, all that's left to say is essentially please guys stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast we have a fantastic musician named Frankie Maston who's going to be on the show uh, singing and performing and also having a little chat just in general about um, his experiences of growing up in tanzania and the struggle that he's had with his uh, sexuality Um, so a really really interesting one i think you guys would really enjoy it and other than that what's left to say is i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode with jack cavan i've no doubt you did i got a serious amount of value again from it i'm um, sorry again actually for the for the background noise there you go the background noise i'm not in my studio in tanzania this week so uh all the stuff to say guys is please stay tuned to the podcast please subscribe please like the channel and please write us a little review if you get around to it i really would really really would appreciate that Uh, have a great week guys and we'll see you again soon